welcome to Living with a Disability, No Big Deal. This podcast is for people who want to learn how to thrive with a disability. It is also designed to share insights for those who have friends or family with a disability. Brad Gabrielson, our host, was born with cerebral palsy and uses a wheelchair for mobility. He is a North Dakota native and believes life is about managing challenges with understanding, mental toughness, and determination. Welcome to another episode of Living with a Disability No Big Deal podcast. Last week we had a podcast with a friend of mine by the name of Ted Corden. We talked about CP again, cerebral palsy, but he has a different classification of CP than, than I do. Mine is spastic, his is ataxic, you know, the difference between the two. And today we're talking about, I have some guests that are going to be talking about a documentary called Crip Camp. And my point of view on a documentary and their point of view. So, how are you doing, Greg and Jennifer? Doing well, Brad. How are you guys today? Pretty good. Good afternoon. Yep, I'm doing well. Also happy to be here. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So today it, uh, we're talking about uh, Crip Camp, Camp Jeanette. Is that right, Brad? Today. That's that's correct. Yeah, so what this is, so the Crip Camp, uh, it was a, it is a documentary that was released on Netflix um, earlier this year, uh, this kind of late spring, late spring summer. And what it deals with is it talks about a camp called Camp Jeanette uh, that I no, no longer operating, but it was operating from 1951 to 1977. Um, and then the movie also talks about the disability rights movement with interviews from several of the people who had attended this camp. Where was this camp at, Jennifer? Uh, so the camp, it was on the East Coast, kind of Northeast Coast in the Catskill Mountains. Um, it, it was founded in 1951 by a gentleman named Larry Allison and he was the camp director. And it lasted, it operated for many years, uh, only to be discontinued in 1977, uh, just due to funding. Uh, the documentary takes place in 1971. I, and it was really cool because the, it showed actual footage that was taken that year when campers were there. Uh, and it was it was for people with all types of disabilities, uh, summer camp for uh, for youth and a place for people to go. And then there were counselors and a place where people could make friends and learn a lot of skills. Uh, and Greg, I think you have a summary of it that you are going to read for us, right? The uh, yeah, Brad, did you have something here? Well, I was going to say it's kind of like our camp grass. Here in North Dakota. Oh, sure. Back, yeah, in, yeah, Camp back in 1970s, when I went to Camp Grassic, that's the way it was. It was like a group of everybody with the disability. We had physical therapy and so, you know, stuff, but they didn't have that, you know, per se. But it was kind of cool. It was all a mixture of every, every disability you can think of, just about. 
So it was like a, it was like a crip camp in that manner. Pretty much. Well, we sure hope to have Camp Brassic on here. I know we're efforting that for future podcasts, so um, that'll be bring an interesting perspective as well. Yeah, I was just going to read something here from NBC News on Think, on their Think uh, opinion page. Uh, Crip Camp, a new documentary on Netflix, offers a new glimpse into human, uh, Judy Human Hoyman, and the history of the disability rights movement that is raucous joyous, and even sometimes shocking. Crip Camp serves not only as an excellent introduction into disability history for those who are unfamiliar, but as a humanizing glimpse into the lives of civil rights leaders, I thought I already knew. If you want to marvel at human ingenuity, perseverance, and triumph while you're in quarantine, Crip Camp has you covered whether you have a disability or not. The disability follows the journey of a disabled camp, Jeanette Campers, many of whom went on to lead the disability rights movement in the United States. Based in the Catskills, as Jennifer said, Camp Jeanette operated 51 to 77 and served disabled people who aren't welcome at mainstream summer camps. Film director Jim Lebrecht, a former camper himself, opens the movie with footage of his childhood, sharing how he, how isolated he felt from life as a child and as an adult. This is the world before the Americans with Disabilities Act. There were no ramps, there was no braille. Children in wheelchairs were excluded from school because they were, quote, fire hazards. And many more were simply shipped off to state institutions in Willowbrook, shameful secrets to be neglected, hidden away and forgotten. So essentially one of the longtime slogans that were encapsulated was, I think Jen, you might have on your list there, power not pity is a longtime disability rights slogan encapsulated by the spirit of Camp Janelle. So definitely some eye-opening stuff there. As Jen alluded to, definitely a an interesting, unique camp where even watching it, you felt like you were included no matter what your what your situation was. At the at the at in the show they were hippie, you know, uh, camp camp consoles are all hippies, you know, so that's what, you know, so, you know, so. Well, let's get into a little bit of their uh, involvement. Uh, and as it says, they were kind of the precursors in the disability rights movement. So the documentary covered their involvement in advocacy for the disabled on a lot of, uh, they were quite involved legislatively and for ab- advocacy, isn't that kind of the main point, Brad? Yes, I think Judy was basically, she was very, uh, she was kind of the leader, I think, throughout the movie. I mean, she, she didn't want to gather people to uh, get, get the point across. She even put the one able-bodied politicians. She she kind of told them what side the bread was buttered on. So yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah, to put so. it that way. Yeah. And Judy, her situation was so she was a wheelchair user, um, and that that was because she had polio when yes. she was young, um, and so. That is, but then she was also very, you know, outspoken on, you know, rights for herself and other people. Um, and that's, 
you know, how she got involved. Yeah, she was, uh, we'll go over kind of the, who Judy was here. Yeah, there was everything from uh, sit-ins where they, Judy would put the call to action for pe people to show up on a mm -hmm. personal basis, personal level, and reach out to those people and say, look, uh, show up at X and X. And so there was um, some sit-ins at, uh, at the Capitol, and they actually took over uh, one whole floor of the Capitol, I think it was, and occupied those offices and had food brought in and people were sleeping on floors and some had mattresses, some didn't. And so for those that, that, that needed, you know, attendant care, it was quite a challenge in order to go. I don't know. I think it was at least a month. Do you guys remember how long they did that sit in? Greg, I think Greg, I think it was in California where that sit-in was. Oh, sure. He's up in California. Oh, it yeah. was in California where it was. I think it was was it almost. It was days and weeks. Yeah. But the one reporter, he reported it because there was a some sort of a strike for for the. Uh, so the, some of the news people were laid off or on, on strike or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think that's right. And then he embedded himself into the movement there, uh, into the right. Capitol and followed them on a day-to-day -day basis and because actually got media coverage and, and television coverage for it. Right. And also, also they, what was really neat, I think, was... Uh, they they rented a truck. They put all the people that were there in wheelchairs in the back of this truck and shut the door. It was completely dark. And then they didn't know where the, you know, how to get there or nothing because it was dark. They couldn't see nothing. And they opened up and they all get out of the back. And I think they even went to that, to that one guy's house that refused to sign the piece of paper they wanted signed, correct? So they protested in front of his house. And, they wanted uh, the law changed. Yeah, that was the director of health and human service. Yes. Yeah, their legislative action, just to be clear, was uh, the health and human services was to sign into the law was section 504, the Human Civil Rights Rehabilitation Act of 1973 that was stalled because of a lot of pushback that it would cost too much and how would we ever do this and let's just ignore it and it will go away but it not only not did not go away but it got worse because they blocked off uh, four main streets in New York right in New York there <laughs> for you know an entire day and that essentially those early pioneers of the disability rights movement, uh, Judy Hoyman and Jim Brecht and some others that we'll mention here. Uh, that was really the precursor to the modern day ADA of 1990, in large part because of what the movie covers is they're bringing awareness to this whole issue of, of disability civil rights and pressure on the politicians to go ahead and, and make things equal for, for all. And so, that was kind of the, the main gist of the documentary. So should we go into a little bit of the players involved, Jennifer? Yeah, it sounds good, yeah. 
you know, so we talked a little bit how Judy Human, she was uh, one of the leaders of this. Uh, I had mentioned earlier, so she had polio when she was young, and so that's why she was a wheelchair user, but was very, you know, kind of vocal in disability rights for all people. Um, one, one of the things that she had talked about in the documentary was that the principal at her elementary school didn't want her there. Uh, she said that, you know, we knew we were being sidelined uh, through everything, uh, even though we were young. Uh, what's kind of cool is later in life, she worked as a special advisor for uh, the international disability rights at, as part of the U.S. Department of State um, and just working to remove architectural barriers yeah, she was quite the uh, quite the energetic little uh, advocate because, like you said, she worked as a consultant through the Department of State, and not only here in the U.S. but also international development codes and things of that nature. So, key leader, Brad, what did you does that summarize kind of what Judy is? Yep, yep, she's very very uh she can get her point across in a very little amount of time and when she talked people listened <laughs> yeah she's she's very firm uh she's respectful but she's very firm and she doesn't back down very easily nope. she does not when it comes to human rights issues yep then we have Jim Lebrecht. Now, Jim Lebrecht, uh, those of you who have seen it or will watch it, he's the guy that's got like the puffy perm hairdo. He's got spina bifida. He was born with spina bifida. So he's uh, his legs don't function. So he gets around in a wheelchair. And he also gets around uh, just with his arms and hands. He crawls stairs. He, you know, he's a disability rights activist. He was in the show there as a camper. He's a film and theater designer and author. Uh, he's the founder of Berkeley Sound Artists, as well as Audio Post-Production House. His film credits include Mining the Gap, Unrest, The Island, and Audrey and Daisy. He serves on the Board of Disability Rights Education and Defense Fund. Uh, that bio comes from the NBC News website there. So, you know, Jim, when Jim got there, he essentially, I think, was just shocked and wowed by the fact that just watching all these people and going like, hey, wait, I'm not the outsider here. I'm not the guy trying to adapt to normal society. Right. And he just thought it was so cool that look at all these disabled people. I'm not even the worst of the disabled people here. So, I mean, this is really cool. And I think he really got into the, the whole... Uh, the whole meaning of, of what the camp was about. Yeah, and I, I think that's where he found his first girlfriend, right? Met his first girlfriend? Yeah, oh yeah, he met a lot of people, met their first girlfriends and boyfriends there at Crip Camp. Oh and, yeah. Uh, Jim was, was no different. He met his first gal there. I, did she have CP, Brad, if I remember right? I believe she did, yes. Yeah, and, and uh, of course Jim had spina bifida, so. Mm -hmm. Should we get into a little bit of our individual perspectives on it? I know Judy, just to go back to Judy, she's still active in speaking today. This podcast will effort trying to get some 
activity as far as maybe having uh, one or more of these advocates on our on our podcast. But yeah, she actively speaks. Now I know Jim, he's, uh, he's active, he's working. And uh, a lot of these people that are in Crip Camp, unfortunately, are no longer with us, but there are still quite a few who are with us. So maybe we'll have an opportunity to maybe reach out to to a couple of them and see what we can come up with for discussion. But I think a lot of them are here, here with a lot of the disabled, you know, they're looking for, um, they're here in spirit. I mean, they gotta be because they're the ones that are, I think, pushing uh, Judy and Jim, you know, along saying you can do this, you know? Yeah, they um, were the they were the cheerleaders. Yeah, you know. yeah. A couple of things. Yeah, just kind of talking about personal insight. Uh, so, kind of towards the beginning of the documentary, there's a a snippet where from I must have been ABC News. Uh, Peter Jennings uh, was you know speaking, and he talks. He's what he's saying is due to how handicapped, disabled are depicted in movies and TV, they are seen in society as objects of fear, pity, and loathing. Um, and that, that kind of stood out to me as, uh, you know, quote-unquote, able-bodied person, because that's kind of true. In old, you know, movies, they show people who have disabilities as, you know, like monsters or someone that you should be scared of. And so then that kind of morphed or influenced society's perception of the disability community, which then is what people, you know, talk about where, you know, Judy talks about how, you know, the principal at her elementary school didn't want her there because she was different. Uh, there were some businesses like an ice cream parlor. They didn't want, you know, the handicapped people because it made the other customers feel uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, the problem didn't exist with people with disabilities. It existed with people that didn't have disabilities. Well, you know, maybe the people like with the ice cream parlor story, you know, people were uncomfortable because that's, you know, their frame of reference was what, you know, as what Peter Jennings said on that newscast of what they saw in the movies. It's like, oh, yeah. these are, you know, weird. They're, you know, sep you know, separate you know, people you know people with dis disabilities they're not normal they're just handicapped weirdos so stay you know stay away right and so it's things it has changed but not there's still problems i mean there, there's still problems where people aren't you know comfortable with you know people who are different yes but don't you don't you think we're still in the same situation as far as do you think do you think yes it's gotten better but as far as the um the, the perception of people being afraid of the disabled because the way they look or the way they sound because they can't speak very well or so some of us stutter or whatever uh, yeah i mean i i think it's improved but there's definitely still problems and there's, a room, there's, a, there's room for education absolutely there's lots of room for education to you know everybody just to, to understand 
um, disability and that, hey, it's just, this is, you know, we're all fallible human beings. We're all just people. So whether you, you know, no matter what color your hair is or what color tone your skin might be or your, your eye color or whether you, you know, you walk or can't walk or talk, you know, whatever. It's like, we're, we're all human beings. Uh, we all have a heart and soul and we all bleed red. So exactly. yeah, I agree with Jen that uh, it's definitely better because people maybe are a little bit more aware, but I, I also agree that there's a lot of work that needs to be done because I mean, too many people are looked on when they're different and have a disability as well, there's something wrong with them or there's something wrong with their mind or, but so oftentimes is the case that isn't the case. And so just being aware that they're very likely as normal as you are, only they may not, be the same as you are. Does that make, if that makes sense? Yeah, and they may not be able to express themselves as easy as, let's say, another person might be able to because they can't get the words out as quickly or as as they would like to. But, they, you know, that was really kind of in the movie, too, where there was a husband and wife couple uh, who's GP then and had a hard time speaking, but they 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 got their, they got your point across, you know. But yes, and and that's great. Or Brad, and that's yep. That was kind of next on my list to mention. So the the one you know lady who spoke a lot. Her name was Denise Sharer Jacobson. Um, and she, her husband was Neil. They both had cerebral palsy. Um, met at the camp. Um, and a couple of key things, I, I took three um, key sentences that she said, is that when we were there, meaning at Camp Jened, there was no outside world. At home, there was a hierarchy of disability. At Jened, we were all equal. Um, that, that was kind of towards the beginning. And then I think this is toward, more towards the end. She said, you can change a law, but until you change society's attitude, that law won't mean much. Yeah, which, that, yeah, that brought a lot of insight. That which is true. So if you have a law, you have to enforce the law, but you have to change, yeah, change perception because it's like, well, cha change the attitude so that whether it's, you know, whatever the disability is, we're all people and everybody, you, you should treat people all people with dignity and respect. Right. And those individuals that were disabled and several of them with pretty acute cerebral palsy, there's nothing was nothing wrong with their minds or their sense of humor or their passion or their ability to succeed. There was uh, one of the campers went on to become a bank president. I mean, he had chronic CP. So, no. Uh, there's nothing that leads that's that it limits any individual's ability more than the others, even though their abilities might be a little bit different. Does that well, make and sense? I, I think, yeah, and with that, sometimes you know, for people again, like quote unquote, you know, able-bodied people or people that think they don't have a disability, stop talking and listen to other people, uh, because this, you know, 
Denise, you know, she does have a speech impediment, which as you know, you, we maybe have learned from talking about CP that's often caused by a lack of oxygen to the brain. Um, when somebody is either when somebody is, you know, being born or, you know, when they're young, but despite having a noticeable speech impediment, uh, this lady has a lot of stuff to say, and she's a very, you know, very intelligent person. <laughs> so, you know, just because someone looks different or sounds different, it doesn't mean that they're, you know, uh, <laughs> they're, less able. They yeah. yeah, she definitely had a lot to say and what she had and what she had to say was very powerful as well. well I, also, I also know for myself, I'm speaking for myself, everybody's gonna, in my opinion, everybody's gonna a disability. We all, you know, some of us wear glasses, you know, we're not perfect, none of us are perfect. So, you know, if you really think about it, we all have a disability. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, well, yeah, I mean, myself, I wear glasses. I have, you know, contacts too, but I don't know, back when I was in elementary school, the insult was four eyes. Like, oh, God, yeah, four eyes. Coke yeah. Bottle, that, one guy called me Coke Bottle Bottoms once. Yep. Once he did. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, well, sorry, I can't help it. I can't help it that, you know, my eyes changed and now I need, like, corrective yeah. lenses, so. Yeah. Well, one thing that stood out to me was not really the motto, but the the tagline separate but equal in other words they were separated from the others from in society but they were equal and so i think one of the one of the missions is to break down that barrier of separate but equal and just have equal and i know that uh i don't remember if it was judy or if it was one of the others that said that in their school you know they were down in the basement while the other kids were upstairs and once in a while, they'd bring the, the quote, normal kids downstairs and would be able to do stuff with the, with the disabled. But that was the mindset back then is separate, but equal, but, but separate them and kind of quarantine them out from the rest of society in a way. Well, and I think one thing with the, the law, uh, you know, with the disability rights law, they, they referenced Brown versus Board of Education, uh, but it dealt with you know every and they used the word handicapped because you know that, that that's the word that was used at the time but every handicapped child has a right to be educated in public schools um i, I think that and that that you know was something where it's even i think still to this day you know sometimes parents might struggle with getting having their children have access to the education and learning opportunities um and that this is maybe then going on a tangent but with you know covid and having distance learning that it affects you know all children but probably especially children who have you know disabilities or you know kind of some special needs in learning oh yeah definitely uh definitely and then you know over the years now there you know there was more of these schools, you know, in the past, because you've got the the crippled children's school there in Jamestown that Brad and Ted attended. That was again, like a crip camp. However, it was school and all these individuals were separated out 
because they were not yet integrated in the 70s, you know, into uh, public school. And I right. think a lot of work was done to do to integrate. And so the name was changed to the Ann Carlson Center and had to change its mission because of the integration and the, they had less of a use, you know, for that large of a school. I think Brad said there was 118 at one point, but Anyway, they had to go diversify themselves and then became operating in the uh, autism spectrum. So yep. students that had to have a separate education based on, on that disability, so. And that, yeah, and the intent of that, right, when it was first started at the time, it was called the Crippled Children's School because they wanted, uh, because you know, children in that category, they were being deprived. So they wanted to then fill that need for education, but then having that segregation maybe wasn't right. So as things evolved, uh, there were more opportunities in the regular public schools. And then the name of this school changed to the Ann Carlson Center. One other thing that I want to mention, I guess backtracking a little bit about this documentary, um, if you watch it, uh, so at the, you know, kind of beginning, they talk about uh, the Willowbrook Institution, and that is something where it was very eye-opening and has some, you know, almost kind of graphic imagery and just very, very sad, just with how people, yeah. you know, young but older too, where they were, if they had an, a disability, they were just put in, in, in an institution and kind of not allowed to grow and thrive and not given just forgotten love about. and just fear and it was just totally basic needs about. you know not even being met yeah not even basic I mean, human just, needs human rights well right and almost just appalling that this happened in our you know in our country and not that many you know just a few decades ago no i mean it's really really recent history when you think about it that way i mean think about all think about back into the you know from the 15 1600s on to the 1900s i mean it was only very recent history that things changed when uh, it did go from that appalling environment where they were just stuffed in there overcrowded and really not being not being nourished and and had their basic needs taken care of to now that much more growth now in the 90s and here we are in the 2000s 20s so quite a bit has changed even in recent history yeah well are there any other closing thoughts that we need to go over before we uh part ways today yeah you know i think that this is good but we're just yeah we're glad i you know that to be talking about this today um very likely in a future episode we might uh do some follow-up on some more of these topics but just very excited. So it's on, on Netflix. The the it's called Crip Camp, C R I P C A M P, and just a very it's just just under two hours. I think about an hour forty five minutes, and uh, just a, yeah, very eye opening, insightful, and educational. The documentary that everybody should watch. It is there is some language in it at the beginning so uh, I might not be good for young children you know maybe watch it first you know parents if you have young young kids parents watch it first before you show it to your kids just want to put that warning out there that there is some language in there but however otherwise overall very well done 
Uh, lots of great info, and I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I would say definitely it's worth the it's worth the sit down and worth the watch. I mean, it's under ninety minutes, so if you have you know whatever, a little over an hour or whatever in time, it's well worth the uh, well worth the uh, the viewing because it really does open a lot of eyes, brings awareness, advocacy, and then basically the history of the disability rights movement. Really, the history, the groundbreaking moments. Uh, Brad, we were just talking about the documentary and really what it brought to the table as far as disability rights. Right, and also, also we uh, we should mention the uh, the executive producers were the Obamas, Rock and Michelle Obama. So, yeah, a higher ground uh, productions and yeah. that was yeah, that was pretty cool. Former, you know, president and first lady. Uh, involved in a project like that yeah that was very cool and uh very well done like jen said well worth the watch so here's an invitation right barack and michelle here's your invitation to come on our podcast yep, yep. as the executive producers we think it was groundbreaking and monumental in terms of the whole disability rights activism and awareness very educational as well disability rights revolution in other words Yep. Brad, did you have any closing thoughts? I also thought that that it was amazing that uh, how, you know, well, you and I both know Greg that because we're both in wheelchairs. That when we go out and about, I mean, I don't know if you noticed that when we go out and about, people kind of look at us as an as a, you know, uh, we're odd. We're we're kind of like an oddity. We're kind of yeah. They don't see every day. So, but but when you get into a camp like that or into a situation like that where everybody's the same, all oh, the walls come down. You know, you don't have to protect. You don't have to put them up. So uh, you can kind of let your hair down. That's what this whole camp. Right. In my opinion, is uh, was all about. That's the first time most of those campers were ever together, all, all one place. They could just have one big party. That's what it seemed like. They were dancing. They were, you know. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? so, yeah. Let let their place to go and let your hair down, Brad. That's a good uh, depiction of it, right there. Yeah. So I thought that was very cool and. As you were mentioning, there was people, and there's a guy on there that's a bank president, and uh, so, you know, I guess we're not as dumb as we look. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. Yeah, there were a lot of successful people uh, in there that went on to find great success, so. Exactly, so I encourage anybody and everybody to watch it. And hopefully we can uh, get some of the cast members or, or or the Obamas to come on. That would be cool. <laughs> so very cool. Well, guys, well, you want to wrap it up, Bradley? Sure. Thank you for listening to another episode of Living with a Disability No Big Deal podcast. Thank you, guys. All right. Yep. Thank you. See you next yep. time. Yep. Thank you, Brad. Bye -bye.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Living with a Disability, No Big Deal. Sponsored by Rolleramp. this podcast features Brad Gabrielson, who encourages everyone with a disability to live life to the fullest. Rolleramp is a global company based in North Dakota, dedicated to helping people find solutions to accessibility needs. Special thanks to Dopey T for his original music. We hope you'll join us again next time on Living with a Disability, No Big Deal.